Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. This is Corey. Welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if any of the stories I'm about to share are of interest, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find a written version of the roundup with links to all of today's stories. Now let's jump in with our first story of the week, PrEP prevents hepatitis B. AIDSMAP shared new research finding that using PrEP, the HIV prevention treatment, also reduces one's risk of hepatitis B infection by 87.7%. This seems to be an even higher reduction in risk than that offered by the hepatitis B vaccine, which is big news and makes this a really big side benefit for people who are at risk for um, both HIV and Hep B. Researchers stress that the Hep B vaccine is still useful um, and an important treatment for those who are at risk, um, but just add that this is, you know, another big benefit being offered by PrEP, a benefit that we didn't know existed beyond, you know, the, the prevention of HIV itself. Another benefit that they've found um, relatedly, you know, has been that people are more connected to the healthcare system, they're getting tested more, they're coming in to see their doctor more, maybe building more trust. So as the research continues to go on PrEP, you know, we just keep on seeing um, more benefits that come with this method of prevention. And our next story, Centers Push for Funding. New Now Next reported on a letter issued by LGBT centers across the nation, as well as by uh, HealthLink's parent, Centerlink, on the urgent need for funding during the COVID-19 crisis. LGBT centers serve almost 2 million people a year. I was surprised to read that. That's a really big number. And their services have proven more needed than ever, not to mention harder to deliver, as LGBT people have found themselves isolated from each other and from needed services. I've certainly covered on previous editions of the podcast um, some of the great work that LGBT community centers are doing around the country to keep people connected, you know, keep them well. And um, this is, you know, an example of um, the type of organization that's, you know, really in need of funding to sustain these services during a challenging time. Next up, Medicare coverage of hormones varies. Researchers led by Michael Salaki found that coverage of drugs most commonly recommended for hormone therapy varied greatly among Medicare prescription plans, presenting challenges for transgender people who are on Medicare. Now, you may or may not know that Medicare doesn't have its own prescription drug plan. They um, have a bunch of private companies that offer their own plans um, through Medicare. So each plan has its own, you know, benefits, its own cost. Um, and, and this is, you know, makes it really hard for people to to navigate sometimes based on what drugs they take, you know, which plan will, will offer them. And sometimes people have to choose between a plan that will cover one of their drugs that they want to take and another drug that they're on. Um, so this is definitely a complex situation for trans folks to navigate. Moreover, neither the number of covered drugs nor the range of -of out-of-pocket expenses seem to show much improvement between 2010 and 2018. So the problem isn't going away, um, and it's definitely an issue, and probably one that a lot of folks aren't aware of, um, but as our our trans population, like all of our LGBT population, continues to have more um, age diversity, and of course it's not just older folks who are on Medicare, it's a lot of folks who may be on disability who um, are also on Medicare, you know, this is um, a big issue for us to be thinking about how to help folks navigate the system and get access to the hormone therapy that they need. 
Our next story looks at trans folks and eating disorders. A new study led by Jason Nagata found that both transgender men and women reported concerning rates of eating disorder attitudes, with what are known as shape concerns registering particularly high. That's likely related to the connections between body image and gender norms that can be difficult for trans folks to navigate. The study also found that transgender women, in particular, reported higher rates of restrained eating than their cisgender peers, using an age-matched prior study. This is another study that's based on the PRIDE study data that I've mentioned in previous editions of the podcast. If you're not sure what the PRIDE study is, you can Google it and you can actually sign up to participate if you're eligible. And basically, it's LGBT folks from all over the country sharing some information about their health to provide researchers with more um, data like this to really expand our knowledge of LGBT health. Next up, pandemic shines light on abuse. NBC News reported on the increased risk of partner violence in light of the stay-home orders imposed throughout much of the U.S. and world right now. They specifically look at how the issue is impacting LGBT folks. Advocates say that LGBT-competent services and resources are very limited. They also say that first responders are often not prepared to navigate issues of um, partner violence among LGBT folks. You know, for example, same-sex couples where the power dynamics are different than what they're used to navigating with issues of partner-based violence. And advocates also say that seeking help can be really difficult or impossible for those who are not out and don't want to out themselves through seeking these services. And finally for this week, Marking Transgender Testing Day. The CDC recognized April 18th as National Transgender HIV Testing Day. They provided updated social media tools for sharing information about the day and encouraging testing on social media. And they also referred folks to the Let's Stop HIV Together campaign, which has a growing library of resources that are definitely worth checking out. They also reshared an issue brief, finding that 9.2% of trans folks are confirmed to be living with HIV, and that's compared to just 0.5% of the overall population, which is a really huge disparity that we can't lose sight of, um, even with everything else that's going on in the public health arena. You know, I think that days like National HIV, um, Transgender HIV Testing Day are really important to remind us about all of the underlying health disparities that exist in our society that are unfortunately going to persist um, beyond, you know, what will hopefully be a fairly soon um, close to this particular pandemic. Thanks so much for joining me for another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to find the links to all of today's stories, and I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast so that you can tune in next week to a new edition. Thanks so much.